This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. I'm your host, heretic, outlier psychologist, John Roseman. JohnRosemond.com if you want uh, access more information about me and uh, my books and my speaking schedule and parenting and family ministry in general. So it's been 10 weeks and I have yet to receive an email from anyone who tells me I am wrong, specifically wrong about my contention that psychology and psychiatry are not valid sciences. They are ideologies. They are secular worldviews. They are rooted in atheistic philosophies. There is no scientific validity to any psychiatric diagnosis. Uh, No psychiatric medicine has ever reliably outperformed a placebo in double-blind clinical trials. All of which is to say that psychology should not be in the church in any way, shape, or form. Pastors should not be referring people to psychologists or psychiatrists for problems of living. Scripture is sufficient in helping people guide their lives properly and resolving problems of living to continue the, uh, and it'll be a short list of things that I'm not wrong about. Uh, psychiatric diagnoses are not realities. They are constructs. Cancer is a reality. Attention deficit disorder is a construct. High cholesterol is a reality. Bipolar disorder is a construct. And so on and so on and so forth. Why are people anxious? Because they are not trusting in the Lord with all of their hearts. Why are people depressed? Because they are not trusting in the Lord with all of their hearts. And I know this is tough stuff for some people to hear, especially people who have received diagnoses of these sorts from mental health professionals of one stripe or another. But in fact, I am convinced that I am telling my audience the truth. And again, I issue the challenge. If anyone believes that I am wrong and can present me with proof that I am wrong in anything that I say, I invite you to send proof to radio at rosemond.com. And if you are correct, and I am an intellectually honest person, ladies and gentlemen, If you are correct, I will issue a mea culpa on the air. But like I said, it's been 10 weeks or maybe even more. I've kind of lost count. I'm just kind of estimating at this point. And uh, no one has sent me an email, and I'm hearing from people all over the country uh, feedback concerning the show, so I know the show is being listened to. And to those of you who have provided feedback, thank you so very much. As I've said before, I'm a public speaker by trade, and uh, this is a a very different foray 
for me a very different experience because as a public speaker, you're looking at an audience and you're looking at the audience's reactions and you're sort of pacing yourself and uh, 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 developing your talk as you go along largely as a result of the feedback that you're getting directly from your audience and immediately from your audience. And as I do this radio show, I'm staring at uh, my computer screen and the back of the credenza in which my laptop sits. So um, any feedback that you have will be much appreciated. Thank you very much. So I'm writing a new book, and um, I'm actually working on two or three books simultaneously, but uh, which is typical of me, because I have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I claim that I really do have it, by the way. <laughs> the only person in the world who really does have it is me. Um, but, uh, I can focus on any one book for only a certain period of time. And then I have to switch over to another one in order to, uh, to keep my, uh, myself, uh, focused and, um, and to keep my energy level up. But anyway, I'm writing a new book and in this book, I, I will, I will not tell you the title because people steal titles. And, uh, yes, even in the Christian community, people steal titles. And so I'm not going to tell you the title. It's a very interesting title. It's a very unique title. I love the title. Um, and, uh, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Uh, you'll just have to wait until the book is, uh, is ready for, uh, for public consumption. But what I'm doing in the book is I am taking scripture that uh, on its surface doesn't seem to pertain to the raising of children. And I am showing how, in fact, it does pertain to the rearing of children. And so I'm showing, for example, how Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understandings, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will keep your paths straight. How that really does speak to what has happened in parenting, just taking that as, as one example of a scripture that I've incorporated into this book, um, how that really does pertain to and speak to what has happened in American parenting over the last 50 years as we have stopped using, even in the Christian community, and this is sort of what the rest of the show is all about, how we have stopped uh, relying on God's instructions concerning the rearing of his children and have instead leaned on the understanding or understandings of mental health professionals and other supposed experts like me with capital letters after their names and how as a consequence of that, our parenting path is no longer straight in America. How as a consequence of that, most American parents, even in the Christian community are zigzagging all over the parenting playing field looking for a sense of direction and never finding it because 
the only set of instructions concerning the rearing of children that will keep your path straight is found in Scripture. And uh, so that's the sort of thing I'm doing with, with this book. And, and what I want to uh, discuss today in the time that we have remaining is James chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'll say it again, but be doers of the word, in other word, God's word, and not hearers only, comma, deceiving yourselves. So I'm going to begin with a story, and uh, here's a preface to the story that uh, I've changed certain details in the story in order to protect the identities of the individuals in question, but I haven't altered any, uh, any essential elements or fundamentals. Also, it's been nearly 30 years since the encounter in question took place, and I'm relatively confident that the statute of limitations has a long elapsed. More important, the story is hardly a one-off. Over the years, during my sojourns here and there as a public speaker, I've met many such couples and, in many cases, their children. The story is offered because it reflects a problem that I believe is endemic in the Christian parenting community. So um, I was speaking at a church somewhere in America, and uh, one of my host couples introduced themselves and told me that my books were their, quote, parenting Bibles, end quote. They were raising their children, three children, they said, by my advice. And they asked me if they could take me out to dinner, and I accepted. And as we broke bread together, and despite my attempts to steer the conversation in other directions, because I, I really don't like to talk about myself when I'm in a social situation, they continued to enthuse about how much my writings had influenced the way they were raising their kids. And of course, I listened politely, but I gently reminded them on more than several occasions that my advice, as they were putting it, was not mine at all, but based on biblical principle and essentially nothing more than a rearticulation of a typical pre-1960s parent's attitude and practice. And the next evening, I was part of a group of folks who were invited to their lovely home. And during this gathering, it became clear, it became more than just evident, it became crystal clear that these folks really weren't raising their children according to essential biblical principle, much less what they referred to as my advice. For example, their kids had no chores to speak of. In fact, the family had a full-time housekeeper who picked up after the kids and even made their beds every morning. And when these folks took me on a tour of their home, I noted that each child's bedroom featured both a computer and a television set, and that their son's television was connected to a video game console. And furthermore, all three of the kids' bedrooms were stuffed with stuff, stuff, and more stuff, and it was all very expensive-looking stuff to boot. So we're coming up on a break, and I'm going to continue this 
after the break. But remember, what I'm talking about is the application of James 1, chapter 1, verse 22, to the raising of kids. James 1, 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we'll be right back after this important break. And please stay with us. Welcome back to the show. This is uh, part two of today's show. And for those of you who might be just joining us, I'm talking about the relevance of James chapter 1, verse 22, to the raising of children. And here's what that particular verse says. And I believe this is, I I usually use the uh, ESV, but be doers of the word, in other words, God's word, and not hearers only, comma, deceiving yourselves. In other words, what James is addressing is people who hear the word and, and even acknowledge the word and even will say to other people that they value God's word, but they are hearers only, comma, deceiving themselves. So I'm talking about this family that uh, I met somewhere in America at a speaking engagement. It was one of my host families. And uh, these folks were telling me that uh, they, they regarded my, uh, my, uh, my works as their, my books and my newspaper column as their parenting Bible, and uh, that they raised their children according to my advice, which I told them, well, it's not my advice. It's, you know, first of all, what you're calling my advice is based on biblical principle, and it's, uh, you know, based on a very traditional understanding of what is proper child-rearing. And uh, so I was invited to their home and discovered when I was at their home, they took us all of the guests at their home, they took us on a tour. Uh, tour, And it was a very, uh, I'll say it was even better than upper middle class home. And uh, what I discovered, uh, the, these children had no chores. There was a housekeeper who even made the kids bed every morning. And uh, the, uh, the kids' rooms were stuffed with stuff. Uh, shelves in the oldest daughter's room, for example, she was in the fifth grade at the time, were lined with a collection of porcelain dolls. I mean, these dolls, they, I know what porcelain dolls cost because my daughter had a few when she was growing up, one or two, not not a whole collection. Uh, they are expensive. Each dressed to the hilt in designer doll apparel. And um, what I also uh, saw was that despite the ministrations of the housekeeper, the kids' room, rooms were somewhat of a mess. Numerous trophies for participation in various athletic and artistic activities were displayed in a glass trophy case in the den, and professional photos of the children hung in nearly every room of the house, and over the mantel was a large oil portrait of the entire family. Now, this was not the first time, nor the last, that I've encountered parents 
who've told me they raise their children according to Christian or biblical principles along with my advice, but truth and fact raise their kids in keeping with current child-rearing fashion. Their parenting is not informed by Scripture, rather it is informed by the world. In other words, they are not doers of God's Word when it comes to their kids. They are hearers only, deceiving themselves. I used to puzzle over this phenomenon, and then I happened across that very verse in James' epistle, chapter 1, verse 22, in which he identifies as self-deceivers, people who hear God's word but do not live their lives in accord with it. In contemporary vernacular, James is referring to Christians who fail to walk their talk. Every attentive Christian has met fellow churchgoers of this sort, people who reference Scripture liberally but are ultimately found to be wanting when it comes to practice. Perhaps they're gossips, or maybe they, maybe they brag about their expensive possessions or their many accomplishments. Whatever, their pious words don't quite match their day-to-day behavior. And reading James's warning, I realize that there are people, a good number in fact, who read my advice and approve of it and even enthusiastically recommend it to others, but who don't do anything more than read and approve and enthusiastically recommend when all is said and done, very little is being done. These are well-intentioned folks, I'm sure. They're not purposefully lying. James nails it. They are deceiving themselves, and by definition, person who's deceiving himself is not aware of it. These self-deceptive folks convince themselves that reading, approving, and enthusiastically recommending is the same as actually doing. The psychological term for this is denial. Their denial is understandable, however. James doesn't say so, but strongly implies that being a doer of God's word is a lot more demanding than simply being a reader of or a listener to God's word. Being a doer requires swimming against the tides of the world, sticking out like a sore thumb, marching to the beat of a different drummer and the like. In the eyes of the world, people who truly live their lives in accord with God's word are somewhat weird. They're weird. They're even weird in the eyes of a lot of regular churchgoers. These churchgoers would be mere hearers, according to James. Likewise, parents who raise their children in accord with biblical principles are, from a worldly perspective, weird. Very weird. They're weird because they're Christian, and they're weird even more because they're raising their children according to biblical principle and not according to the fashions of the world. So, It's not easy being a weird parent. Weird parents don't talk about their children a lot, for example, or even very much at all. They don't brag about their children's accomplishments or the lengths to which they are going and the personal sacrifices they are making in support of their children's amazing talents, at least according to them, their children's talents are amazing. And so in a group of other parents, weird parents sometimes don't have a lot to say. Weird parents insist that their children behave properly and have no problem enforcing those expectations, even in public. The boldly authoritative way in which weird parents correct their children, which by definition they do not have to do often, 
makes other parents slightly too significantly uncomfortable. The children of weird parents are more likely to be doing after-school chores than lots of after-school activities. After high school, and regardless of their grades, the children of weird parents are more likely to attend a small Christian college than a highly rated secular university. Over the years, a fair number of weird parents have shared their child-rearing experience with me, and almost always they talk about how difficult it is for them to relate to parents who are not weird. Parents, that is, who are firmly in the seductive grip of the world and how generally difficult it is for them to find like-minded parents, even in their churches. Some never do find like-minded parents. Nevertheless, I've never encountered a weird parent who would have it any other way. They would not trade being weird for being accepted into the parenting mainstream. I've been one of the most in-demand speakers in the parenting field since the late 1980s. More often than not, I am found speaking in a church. I don't hide in a backstage room before a presentation, nor am I whisked away in a limo immediately after. Rather, before and after any presentation, I'm out in the lobby meeting, greeting, answering questions. One of the reliable observations I've made is that parents I encounter in churches complain of having the same parenting issues as do parents I encounter in public schools. To wit, disrespectfully argumentative children, disobedient children, irresponsible children, belligerently rebellious children, drug-using teenagers, sexually active teenagers, and so on. Along these same lines, Barna polls find that the divorce rate of people who are born again is virtually indistinguishable from that of folks who are not born again. How could that be? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 promises that the Lord will keep straight the paths of those who trust in him with all their hearts and acknowledge him in all their ways. The people in question are not mere hearers of God's word. They are doers. They walk their talk. They usually aren't there that noticeable because in most instances they go about their authentic Christian walk rather quietly. As are many non-churched parents, many Bible-believing parents are zigzagging all over the parenting playing field, never seeming to find a coherent sense of direction because they pay mere lip service to God's instructions concerning the raising of his kids. As is typically the case in the secular parenting world, they are more concerned with achievement than character development, although they would argue otherwise. Their children are the beneficiaries, and I use the term loosely, of never-ending materialistic entitlement, and the hem of their generally lax discipline is frequently showing. That's a scandal. On this basis, the secular world has every right to ask, what's the point of being a Christian if Christians are having the same problems in their families that we are having in ours? If sin is rebellion against God, then it is sinful for Christians to raise their children according to worldly fashions. Unless, for whatever reasons, other options are non-starters, Christians should not send their children to public schools, for example. Christian parents should not participate in the after-school activities rat race 
Yeah, although the occasional after-school activity here and there is fine. Christian children should be expected on a daily basis to help in significant ways with housework. Therefore, Christian parents should not have maids or housekeepers. Christian parents should be diligent in teaching their children proper manners and a biblical worldview. The behavior of Christian children should reflect that diligence. Specifically, it should reflect respect for others and humility rather than high self-esteem. Christian children should know and be able from a reasonably early age to explain why Marx, Freud, and Darwin were wrong and why the Bible is the truth concerning all things. It comes down to parents who are willing to be weird, one of Paul's fools for Christ, even in the eyes of a fair number of fellow believers. Folks, thanks for joining the show. Remember, every Saturday, American Family Radio, 6 o'clock Eastern, and you can do the math from there. God bless you all.